It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 653 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. And sorry, apologies if my voice sounds a little different. I've been fighting with the cold all week, or actually the last several weeks off and on. So, uh, hey, today is Friday. It's time for another conversation with my very special co-host, Bridget Gleason. And today, Bridget and I are going to talk about the challenges associated with sales hiring. Now, this is a topic I've been covering a lot recently on the show because it's so important, right? If you want to grow your sales, you have to get the right people on board. And this is, this is not an easy task. I mean, finding the right people requires a lot of discipline, a lot of process, and increasingly so. And we've talked about that with the guests that have been on the show. You just can't wing your way through sales interviews anymore. There's a lot of science and research done about the best ways to approach it, and we're trying to expose that information to you. And so in that spirit, today, Bridget and I are going to talk about some really excellent books that have been written uh, recently that provide some very useful guidelines and processes for how to go about the business of recruiting, identifying, hiring, interviewing, hiring, and onboarding new sales reps. Um, So make sure you take a listen to some really good information here. If you'd like to see the show notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 653. Now, friends, if you're a top sales performer in your current role and you're looking for a fresh challenge to take your career to the next level, then CenturyLink should be at the top of your list. With its recent acquisition of Level 3, the new CenturyLink is a world leader in providing cloud, security, real-time communications, and managed services. So if you want the excitement and the challenge and, most importantly, the rewards both financial and psychic, that come from selling industry-leading services to the enterprise, then visit CenturyLink.com forward slash Accelerate. That's CenturyLink.com forward slash Accelerate. And join their talent community and see if a career at CenturyLink would be the right step for you. Now, finally, last note before we start uh, with Bridget is I want to tell you about some exciting changes that I'm making to Accelerate. Now, these changes are actually going to begin next week in the first week of April. So instead of releasing three new episodes of Accelerate every week, I'm going to be consolidating those down into a single new episode each week. These episodes will go live every Wednesday, so put that uh, that on your calendars. So instead of a single guest on each show, you're going to hear conversations with at least two guests per episode, sometimes three or more. And fear not, one of those conversations I'll be having every week will be with my very special co-host, Bridget Gleason, or Captain Fantastic, as loyal listeners know her. So with our current episodes averaging around 35 minutes in length, actually, we're going to be running a little bit longer uh, as we pack more goodness into each one, each episode. So you might ask, why am I making these changes? Well, after we uh, put out 600 episodes and start closing in on 2 million downloads of Accelerate, I went out and spent some additional time talking with listeners and asking what they wanted. And interestingly, the most common feedback that I've received from my my loyal listeners has been that we're still producing too many episodes for them to keep up with on a regular basis. So I believe in giving the customer what they want. As a result, we're going to go to one new show per week. It'll be bigger and better than we're currently doing. And I'll continue to have the most interesting, most educational guests to help you become even more sales ready than you are today and to help you stay relevant to your buyers in the face of this constant barrage of changes 
that we still see and we experience are driven by technological innovation as well as changes in how our buyers do business. So I look forward to having you continue to join me on this journey of learning and discovery that I call Accelerate as we provide an even bigger and better experience for you. All right, so let's jump into it today. Bridget, how are you doing? Andy, 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 Andy. Hey you there. know, marrying is important in sales. It is. I'm marrying you. It's important in lots of relationships. It is. And how are things this fine day? Where are you? I haven't asked you that lately. Where are you? Which, am, where in the empire? Where in the Andy Paul empire are you today? We're in today? The, the East Coast headquarters of the vast Andy Paul media empire. Well, the media empire does stretch, has, has a wide geography. Worldwide. It has a worldwide geography, which I appreciate. <laughs> you can hardly go anywhere on this planet. Without running into you. <laughs> Without running into you. And hearing you. And hearing you can't Andy get Paul. away. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Fortunately, fortunately, that's not the, not the case. No, that's so not the I, case. I, I think I told you a story, or maybe I didn't. I was in a meeting, of, I don't know, a couple months ago, and and I hadn't been introduced at the beginning. I was, somebody else was leading the session, and and so no one really knew who I was. And then somebody spoke up in the middle of the meeting and said, are you Andy Paul? Because I'd said a couple of things, and I said, yeah. He goes, oh. <laughs> so I, introduced, I recognize your voice for your podcast. I was like, it, seriously? <laughs> you do. You do have a distinctive voice. Which I have a hard time listening to myself, but that's normal. Yeah, you do. You have a very distinctive, uh, clear, resonant voice. Maybe I should try my hand at opera. Maybe you should. Gosh. Maybe you should. It's not too late to reinvent myself yet again. And what fun that would be. That would be, yeah. So, yeah, no, still reinventing myself in sales, but... That's good, too. Yeah, and, uh, what? oh, gosh, well, yeah, I've got my training for my, my big bike affair coming up. So this oh, is good. Our, our annual bicycle training camp. Nice. With, yeah, that, that my wife and I go subject ourselves to. We could be and doing these nice, cushy, guided tours in Europe. We've done those. Uh, that sounds good to me. Yeah. Instead, we've chosen the last okay. few years the last few years to go to these really super intense <laughs> training camps where people much younger than us oh dear. kick our asses over long bike rides. Actually, the terrain kicks our ass. We don't need those young people to kick our ass. The terrain kicks our ass. So... Uh, but it's fun. It's fun. It's gorgeous settings. Uh, we're back in the central California coast uh, through some beautiful wine country, mm. couple mountains, yeah, whatever. Yeah, couple of five thousand foot climbs. But oh boy! Other than that, it'll be fun. Other than that, it'll be easy. Yeah, yeah. Other than other than that, five thousand foot mountain, it'll be easy. Yeah, I, I was showing some friends pictures I'd taken of my wife from last year's trip when she got to the summit of this one 5,000-foot peak and and uh, <laughs> it was just on her back spread out <laughs> in a shade tree. It was it was a tough climb because they it was a little hot and and just when you think you've gotten to the top, there's this last sort of 300 yards at a very steep incline to the summit. <laughs> and it, so, you know, you come around a corner and see it. You know, you think you're done. You come around a corner, it's like, oh, shoot. And 
Yeah, that just about drove her over the edge. So, <laughs> but she's back for more. <laughs> she's back for more. That's right. She's back for more. Back for more. So, yeah, she's very intrepid. Um, I love that. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, today I thought, well, talking about being intrepid and so on. We, I had a, I've read some interesting books on hiring salespeople recently. And I thought we lay them on me. And yeah, I thought you'd like it. Maybe the audience would like it as well. Is uh, the first one? It's not. First one's actually not really a new book. It's been around for a while, but I had not been exposed to it before. And it's the title is "Never Hire a Bad Salesperson Again." Subtitle: mm-hmm. Selecting Candidates Who Are Absolutely Driven to to Succeed. And the author is named Chris Croner, C R O N E R. And it was an interesting book. It was an interesting book because it's it's based around this idea that of that you can identify those candidates that possess the quality of drive. And Chris Croner is a clinical psychologist and has done a tremendous amount of research, uh, both his own research and sort of summarizing research of Gallup and all these other organizations that have been researching sales for almost 100 years now. Um, and has isolated what he thinks is this quality of drive, and there's three elements to it, that the top producers have hmm. and lays out a process in some detail about um, how you can identify that, what drive is and how you can identify it in the candidates that you're looking to hire. Interesting. Okay. Let's hear. I'd like that. Yeah. So I, I thought we'd spend time talking about drive because yeah, I hadn't really conceptualized it in the way that, that he put it together. And so he said there are three three elements of drive. And the first one is that uh, people with drive are motivated by a need to achieve outstanding results, and they're willing to do virtually whatever it takes to succeed. So it's like this intense motivation to set tough goals or sufficiently tough goals that you maybe need to innovate in different ways in order to to achieve them. You know, you sort of force yourself to disrupt your process, but that you're that it's the achievement itself, and this sort of speaks to the idea of, you know, are salespeople money motivated or achievement oriented, that it's this idea of achievement as one of the key elements that that really drive create this element to drive, but that also drive salespeople. And go ahead. How, well I uh, just as you're talking, I think, God, I want all my salespeople to have that. Sure. <laughs> We'd like to think they do. <laughs> but but, that, but I don't think they do. No, I don't think they do. So I'd like, so I don't, uh, yeah, I'd like to think they do, but I'm smart enough to know they don't. Yes. yes. <laughs> How's that? So the second element of drive. So first one is a need to achieve. The second one is a love of competition, both with themselves and with others. And... And he writes in the book, it's interesting, it's, when you think about it, it's, it is true to some fair degree that you know, a sale is viewed as a contest of wills with the customer. And, and I think that, yeah, I was looking back, I had never really thought about that. I was looking back sort of and over the years and, and uh, some of the major deals I've done and think, yeah, we both, we both... Both had the same goal in mind, but 
Yeah, there's always, even with a good relationship with the buyer, there's always an element of sort of, I don't know, adversarial nature there to some degree that never completely goes away, no matter how much you're on the same page with the buyer. Um, so, but anyway, this this idea is, you know, again, people who have drive love to compete both with themselves and others. Are there others? And then the third one is... I'm going to say, I want to, I want, how many are there? How many are there? Three. All right. All right. I need to achieve, love to yep, compete. Loves to compete. Third uh-huh. one is they're optimistic. They're certain of their ability to win. Okay. And so I read that and I <laughs> sat back and yeah, thought about it and thought, huh, I've got that. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, I. Yeah, yeah that, I'm, I'm that still. Is where, still that is where we go first, isn't it? I mean, I, that's yeah. the first thing. As I was thinking, huh? How do I? Uh, do I need to achieve? Yeah, that's me. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's never for me. It's never led with money. I was having this discussion with somebody yesterday. It's like, I mean, the money's important, right? I mean, we've we've. It's, I'm never going to say it's not important, but it's never at the forefront of my mind. It's it's achieving results is right. important because I know if I achieve the results, then the money's going to come. I love to compete as by virtue of the fact that not just competing in business, but you know, I still compete, you know, personally on athletic things. That's still important to me to have that, that element of competition. Uh, you know, when I'm in the swimming pool doing master swimming, you know, I love to compete with the, <laughs> the younger people, um, you know, on the bike, you know, my wife sometimes has a hard time riding with me because yeah, I'm always sort of like, if somebody passes me, I want to go compete with them. <laughs> when we're riding, if somebody goes by me, it's like, oh yeah, I, I want to go ride with that person. Um, so the competition is there, and and yeah, I am, I am an optimist. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely that. I don't have the same competitive. Maybe I used to, but I've had to. I think because I'm so competitive that. I have I have to be really intentional about hobbies <laughs> because I can just get too like when I was learning to play golf there was a period of time when I couldn't keep score I just had to reduce my own stress mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I just I, I just I I had to do better than I did last time it wasn't necessarily against anyone else but just me getting better and improvement I think that resonates more with for me than any of the others. Than yeah, with others. yeah. I mean, I well, I've got that too. I mean, I I was bragging to my wife last night as I set a new personal record for the amount of watts I pushed on our Peloton bike over an hour period. Um, yeah, setting PRs. That's like yay! <laughs> I come out of our our room where the bike is. Yeah, I just set a PR that an hour. <laughs> and was she? She rolled her eyes. Yeah, sir. Yeah, she tolerates me that way. That's very nice of her. That's a that's a good thing. Yeah, but yeah, so that's just sort of my natural instinct. I don't now these days. I don't feel like I'm competing against others as much as competing against myself in in business. You know, things I'm trying to do with my business. I really, I don't think I don't view other people as competitors. I've the I've met the enemy and he has me. Uh, so yeah, I'm competing with myself at all the times, but. I think I agreed. I thought those that summary of of good salespeople. And I just wasn't using myself as an example. I sat back and thought of 
the top producers that had worked with me over the years, either people that I had seen when I was younger in my career who are more senior, bosses I respected, and they all had that. Yeah, and I think the optimism, the number three, is a really important one. Yeah, interesting. I had a conversation with somebody um, just recently, a woman named Libby Gill, who's written a new book that's that's coming out shortly called um, – What's it called? The Hope Driven Leader, Harnessing the Power of Positivity at Work. And she was was advocating that really what I think Chris Croner is talking about in his book is optimism, is really hopefulness. Um, and there's apparently, I didn't realize, there's a whole science that's, that's sprung up around this idea of hope and positivity and and there's like a theory of hope <laughs> that exists. But the difference between optimism and hope is basically hope is optimism with a plan. So hope is a belief. Hope uh, is... Mm. Yeah, hope is a a, uh, a belief with an expectation or a plan to it. That, you know, there's steps you're going to take to achieve what you, you hope to achieve. Yeah, uh, I like it. Yeah, so I... I told her, it said, yeah, Libby, it sounds to me like optimism with the plan. And she sort of laughed and she didn't tell me to shut up. So I figured I was onto something there. So, um, so yeah, so maybe the third element is, is more hope, hopefulness. But anyway, you know, it's the, um, as Chris Cronin talked about in his book, is, you know, this ability to succeed and the desire to succeed, you know, have to be matched by the belief that you can succeed. And that's absolutely true. I mean, you can be as competitive as you want, but if you don't believe that you're going to win, then your odds of winning are go down. Definitely. So he puts out in his his book, uh, they've got this, his company sells a off-the-shelf sales assessment that you can use to test for, for drive. Um, but, oh. And I thought, yeah, that, that could be interesting for some companies. If, you're, if these are qualities... His company is called Sales Drive, not surprisingly. Huh. And okay. um, yeah, I urge people to check that out. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of, of using assessments as a data point. Definitely. During your hiring process. And as opposed to sort of the conventional sales aptitude, sales personality tests, you might try this one because it might give you a different, better result. What is the, what is the, um, what is the assessment? Where does, where does one find it? I believe it's at salesdrive.com. Salesdrive.com. God, it, if only it would be so easy. Like, I'd like to believe that I could give somebody an assessment and I would, that would solve my hiring issues. <laughs> it won't. Wouldn't that be great? It won't. Thank you. Well, Thank so that's our leads to the, the next book that we read, which I read was. Um, written by a gentleman named Jeff Hyman. And this book is titled Recruit Rockstars, the 10-step playbook to find the winners and ignite your business. And I'm not a huge fan of, of the title with about the whole Rockstars thing, but um, <laughs> but it's a really good book, though. Other than, other than the title, it's a really good book. Uh, and I sorry. <laughs> was inter- interviewing Jeff to be on the show and sort of gave him a hard time about that. But... Um, but what he talks about is, is similar to a process that, that I've advocated uh, for a long time about a data-driven process that you have for mm-hmm. hiring that mm-hmm. its intent is to mitigate the impact of the emotion in the decision-making and the hiring process. 
And so some of the key things he talks about, uh, he goes in some better detail than I had in my own process. And I told him I was going to steal them. But um, as one as you sort of start with this idea is you've got a scorecard. So in, before you're interviewing people, as you're creating a scorecard and you have these, these various criteria that you're going to score. And that then becomes your data at the end of your process that you use to make, make a decision. And, you know, some of the things that, that uh, he advocates, which is something I've, again, been advocating for a while with, with customers as well, is, for instance, like when you do interviews, you know, right now, the way most companies interview is, yeah, we'll bring somebody in, they'll talk to three or four people, we'll get together at the end, and we'll sort of compare notes. Really what the, the state of the art is, is that, yeah, you may have three or four people interview, but they're all going to ask the exact same questions in the exact same order. No freelancing, no you know, weak questions. And Jeff, in his book, has a series of, of questions you can ask uh, for standard uh, interviews, which make it, make it valuable. You can adapt, adapt or adopt some of those to your, your purposes. But then you actually then, when you do that, you have a standard framework with which to discuss the candidate. And yeah, everybody scores the candidate based on the answers they gave to each of the questions. And so, you know, the interview block has a score. The assessments you give them have a score. The, obviously, you're going to test, you know, if you're listening to this and you're hiring and you're not testing people on the skills and that they need to have to do the job, then you're not doing a complete interview. So it could be a written test. It could be testing their writing skills. It could be a test of their technical knowledge. It could be a test of their ability to do an impromptu presentation. It, you know, whatever works and is required for your, your firm, that's what you have to do. That's what you have to do. And that, again, is an element that you score. Um, and then, obviously, reference checks. You're going to score, score those. Um, of course, you, know, you could do... I'm not sure Jeff and I were in complete alignment in terms of when you do reference checks. I mean, I I believe you do reference checks before you do interviews. Uh, he believes you do, a, at a minimum, you do your backdoor reference checks uh, before the interview. But regardless, I mean, it's still important to do some level of reference checking at a minimum before they come at the interview because reference checks are not meant to be uh, validations of decisions that are already made. They're meant to be disqualifiers. Right, right, right. Unfortunately, yeah. most people use them as validation for decisions they've already made. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's you can go waste a lot of people's time when somebody comes in and there's no need to do reference check because they don't pass that first level of qualification. So I usually do them somewhere in the middle. Um, I, I think a reference check, a back channel, just I don't really call it a reference check, just sort of a gut check. Do you know this person? What would mm -hmm. you say? Right. Yeah, no, and you've talked about that before very early on. We had talked about hiring is, is yeah, I mean, that's that's really important. And so what you want to do is, and also the other point that, that Jeff made about, uh, the author of the book, Jeff Hyman, made about interviewing is that, yeah, you may have three or four people that do the standard uh, interview questions, same questions, everybody asks in the same order, is then you also have one person who does, who's, does the deep dive on the background, on the resume. And typically that might be the hiring manager, right? 
it doesn't mean the hiring manager won't also then ask the the standard questions in the same order. But there's somebody, some one person has to be assigned to do the deep dive. But the point is, this is all in a process. And what what I believe is is that you have various disqualifying steps along the way. So I I will judge a resume. I'll give a score to a resume just on appearance. Because I think that sales is incredible business for attention to detail is really important. And if someone can't be bothered, to, and also first impressions are important. And so if someone doesn't have the instinct to create a positive first impression, yeah, they're no good to me. Um, they're dead to you? They're no good to me. <laughs> Were they dead to me? That depends. <laughs> but, they're dead to me. But I'll disqualify right at that point. But let's say it's okay. And then another preliminary score I'll put on a scorecard is if we make the decision to do a screening interview, how's the screening interview go? And oftentimes various people have various opinions about this. I, I believe that you don't necessarily need the hiring manager to do the screening interview and probably sometimes maybe not even desirable. Um, yeah, cause it's just short, short, this person done the research, you know, are they feasible just with the, the basic questions you're asking to take to the next step? To me, the next part of the process is then we're going to assess, we're going to test, and we're going to go through all that before we make the decision to bring them in for an interview. And we'll do the, in my, my case, I re- recommend that you do the reference checks before you make that decision too, but at a minimum, do the back channel um, reference check. So yeah, it's a very interesting book, very well written. I recommend people check it out. I will definitely do it. I do a lot of hiring, so I'm intrigued. Yeah, I would say um, from a sort of practical day-to-day thing, Jeff's book, Recruit Rockstars, is a very, very handy reference. And I think uh, Chris Cronin's book about uh, Drive, but never hire a bad salesperson again. Again, one well worth reading if you're a hiring manager. To uh, It does a good job laying out what, what successful people look like. And um, a lot of research behind it. So, well worth sort of digging into that as well. On my list. All right. For your next, your next trip. For my next trip. All Sounds right. Sounds great. As always. As always. So, friends, thank you for joining us, Bridget. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Until the next time, Andy. All right. Bye bye, everybody. 